Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. It's always there. We just don't always see it because we're not always looking for it. But it's a habit that I'm trying to create to see his favor, look for more of his favor, and there it is. You know, but there's this thing, fear and doubt is a killer. Anyone else got fear and doubt? If you didn't raise your hand, I don't believe you. Fear and doubt is a killer, right? I've got that too. Because fear and doubt strips our confidence. Confidence already came up this morning. And I had a couple people come pray for me this morning because I was speaking and the word confidence came up both times. And here it is right in my notes. Confidence, right? Because to be better, I'm better when I'm confident. I don't know about you. I am better when I'm a confident person. If I'm up here, I need to be confident to be up here. I need to be confident to succeed in the things that I want to be better at in life. And let's not get stumbled and, and bumbled up on confidence and pride. Those are not the same thing. Confidence and pride are not the same thing. Confidence isn't pride just like insecurity isn't humility. Confidence isn't pride just like insecurity isn't humility. They come from a different source. They are fundamentally different. And we need to be confident. God created us to be confident people. Confident people because we know what we carry inside and it's Him. Right? God's final destination is where? Us. We are God's final destination. We are where He dwells. And when we come into that reality, you can't help but be confident. Not prideful. Prideful isn't of God. Confidence is of God. Because that's who he created us to be. Because if we're not getting what we want, we must be expecting something else. If we're, I'm sorry if it hurts a little, but if we're not getting what we want, we must be expecting something else. You guys ever heard somebody say, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right? But expecting what we want takes faith, doesn't it? Expecting what we want takes faith. Wanting things, but expecting mediocrity is much safer. There's not a lot of risk there, right? We need some faith. So I just want to read a couple of scriptures that talk about faith. And I'm sure you've all heard these, but we're going to read them again anyway. Luke 17, 6 says, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Matthew 17, 20 says, and he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for I truly say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, anybody ever seen a mustard seed? We all had mustard. Anybody seen a mustard seed? Without my glasses, I would not be able to see it. It was really small, okay? That's his reference here. If you had the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing would be impossible to us 
if we just had the faith the size of a mustard seed. What's he saying here? He says it doesn't take much. It's attainable. It's achievable. In fact, we already possess it. It's not our faith anyway. It's his faith. Another gift of God is he took faith and implanted it in us. We all have a measure of faith, and it is more than enough. It is more than enough. We don't manufacture faith. I've been in circles where we got to work it up. Work up your faith. Come on. you got to do it. We don't manufacture faith. It is a response to the revelation of his grace. Our faith is a response to the revelation of his goodness. Because the root of sin is self-effort, us doing it. The root of freedom is faith. And so I'm just thinking, you know, I want to believe better. And I don't mean I want to be a better believer. I'm not trying to be a better believer. I'm not trying to be a better Christian. I'm trying to believe better. It's a big distinction right there. I want to believe better. So what do I believe? This is what it came to for me. What do I believe? And do I really believe it? Do I really believe it? What do I believe? And I, so I, I go to the Word. I, want to find what, I know that what I need to believe, God has already told me in His Word. I'm not going to listen to what the world thinks I should believe or even what I think I should believe. I want to believe what he says I should believe because that's where confidence comes from. That's where freedom comes from is believing what the Lord says about us. So let's read a little bit about that. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. I'm reading this from the English Standard Version. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you are, I added that part. <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, when, when I read that, the first thing I thought was, what does that even mean? That's kind of deep, really. I mean, on the surface, you go, yeah, that's great. But I want to dig in. I want to get into what he's trying to tell me. I want to internalize, and I want it, my faith to match up with the word that he's giving me so that I can operate from that place. Because we are spiritual beings, and our spiritual reality is so much more real than the chairs you're sitting on, the things that we see in this world. It is a spiritual reality that has been created for us. That's where our freedom lies. And so when we read this, the old has passed away and the new has come. Right? We are new creations. Well, what does the word new mean? You know, words mean things. And a lot of times, words mean things a little differently than we think they mean, right? We think we know what certain words mean, but it's not always the case. We're not always exactly correct. And that little tiny differentiation can make all the difference in the world. So this word new, there are two words in the Greek for new. There's neos, which is new in reference to time. It's like getting a new pair of shoes. You had a pair of shoes. You had them for six months. They're worn out, so you got a new pair just like them. They are the same shoes. They're just new in reference to time. That is not the word that's being used here in the Greek when we are told we are a new creation. 
the word that's used in the Greek, the other word for new is kainos. I say kainos. Some people say kainos. I've been saying kainos for a long time, so I'm going with it. So let me read the Strong's Concordance definition of kainos, the word new, when it's referenced to you are a new creation. Kainos is defined by Strong's Concordance as new as it respects form, recently made, fresh, recent, unused, unworn, as it respects substance of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, and unheard of. That is you if you know Jesus. It's been you ever since the moment you said yes to Jesus. Now it's about us renewing our minds to the reality we actually exist in. So if we read it this way, I'm taking some of those definitions and applying it to us. So in Christ, you were made new. You are new in substance. You are unused and unworn. You are fresh. You are so new in kind that you are novel and unprecedented. You are a new kinos creation that does not resemble the old in any way. You are spiritually completely different. Yes, this bag that it comes in looks the same. Over the years, it might change a little, right? But we are a new creation. We don't resemble the old in any way because you are new in substance, never before seen. The old you is dead. We read that all in the Bible. We're dead, and I'm going to read it here in a minute. I hope you guys are ready for some meat today. Because I like the deep meat. I like to get into his word and dig in a little farther than that. Because it really turns me on. And to me, it makes all the difference. Freedom comes in the meat. You And sauce. Always want sauce with your meat. Look, all the Holy Spirit can be the sauce. No, I'm getting off that. You have been made new in Christ. And by Christ, old things have passed away. This is not simply a do-over. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Not in reference to time, substance. New lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So if we haven't got this all figured out in our heads, which I'm sure we don't, we are in the process of renewing our minds, but the starting point is we are starting a new life. Because that new life was started for us without any of our doing. It's simply what he did on the cross created us as new creations when we said yes. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Ephesians 4.24 says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now that's not saying go make yourself righteous and holy. It's saying put on your new nature that was created for you because you are righteous and holy it's a renewing of the mind as to our identity and when it says put on i've looked that up in the greek as well because oftentimes they put on or or you read the scripture put on the armor of god that put on is not like oh slug that thing on and man these boots are tight it's not that it's defined as falling into a garment it's not work 
to put it on. Putting on your new nature is just saying yes and relaxing into the reality that God has created for us. So we are new creatures. Our old is dead. Our old selves are dead. Everybody, you got that? Old selves are dead, yes? That's a good thing. Now, here's the tough question. Any of us still dragging around that corpse of our old selves? Right? Fear and doubt and insecurity and all of those things we did we wish you hadn't done. We're just dragging that sucker around and it stinks. It's rotting. God looks at it and goes, what are you dragging that thing around for? He's not looking at it. He's not looking at it. And it's holding us back. How fast can you travel when you're dragging your old dead corpse behind you? You can't get anywhere. It's slowing us down. It's dragging us down. Now, just as a prophetic act, I'm going to take a risk here, and we're going to start up there with you guys. Anybody have an old corpse that you've been kind of dragging around a little bit? Throw it down the railing right here. I'm going to take mine. Serious business. I'm going to take mine, and I'm going to throw it right there as a prophetic act because I don't want it anymore. Come on, guys. I'm serious business. Throw that sucker over. You can even get up. I mean, it's heavy. It could be heavy. You may need to lift it and get it up over the railing. That's okay. How about you guys? Anybody want to throw yours with mine? Right? Let's forget that stuff. I don't want to drag this down anymore. I want to be free from that. You guys want to be free from that? It's as simple as dumping that thing. And if you kept it, let's say you leave here today and you're like, nah, I should have done it. I didn't want to stand up and throw it down. It's okay. Leave it on the road. Caltrans will pick it up. Just get rid of it. We are a new creation. Let's look at how new we are. Ezekiel 36.26 is going to talk about our new heart. God gave us a new heart. A new heart I will give you. And a new spirit will put, be put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You have a new heart. This has already been done. This isn't something you need to go read your Bible to get. This isn't something you got to go chase down. This is just something you need to believe because God tells it to us. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have a new mind. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? I'm like, yeah, no kidding, right? I'm not going to tell him what's going on. But he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 22, do not be conformed to this world. That's just big right there. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to renew our minds because we've been given a new one. We have a new nature, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We are partakers of the divine nature. Where is God's final destination? Us. He carries the divine nature right on into us. We are partakers of all that he has done. All that he has done. 
Ready for some meat? Yeah, that wasn't even the meat. We're going to talk about being dead to sin and alive to God. Romans chapter 6, 6 through 11. And I love, the way I love this first verse. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Now, I used to read that as, okay, I don't live in sin anymore, so i got to stop sinning. Me. I've got to do this. It's not what it's saying. Read it in the message sometime. The message translation. I, I should have put it in here. It's phenomenal. But it describes it somewhat like this. You lived in a house, right? You lived in this house in this place called sin. And you sold that house. And you moved way over here. And you bought a house in a whole different place. You don't live in sin anymore. That city, you sold your house in that sin. That city, you don't live there anymore. You don't live in that condition any longer. We don't live under the condition of sin any longer because of what Christ did on the cross. That isn't our reality. We may see it. We may experience it. We may do it and feel terrible. But that's not really where we live. So if we don't live there anymore... Why are we even thinking about that old city? It's not about action. It's never been about action. It's about the condition of sin. You know, when Christ died on the cross, we didn't all stop sinning. We just stopped living under the condition of sin. Verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too must walk, might walk in newness of life. Kainos, newness of life. That's why he died, so we could walk in newness, so we could be freedom, in freedom. We are royalty because of him. We are seated in the heavenly places because of him. We live in a new reality because of him. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must consider yourselves. Not you must go do it, you must go figure it out, your effort somehow, you're going to work hard enough that you'll be there. No, consider it done because it is done. We must consider ourselves free from sin. Sin has no power over us. That corpse, the moment we let go of it, we are free. 
That's why he died. He died so we could be free. He died so we could live a full, abundant, happy, joyful, prosperous life. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 12. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The spirit of God allows us to freely comprehend what he's done. We, you know, we talk a lot here about being in partnership with God. Things that we're doing in our lives, God wants to partner with us. He's not going to just do it for us, and he doesn't expect us to do it on our own. He wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us as we develop this understanding of what he's done as well. And you know, when you hear something and it just rings true, RC always tells me, I know it in my knower, right? I know in my knower that it's true. That's your spirit. That's the Holy Spirit dwelling in with you going, yes, 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 ding, ding, ding. That's the one. That's true. You can feel it. You know it in your knower. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. His spirit lives in us. That's his final destination. Now, this is, this is meaty here. I like this. This has rocked me several days now. Luke 17, 20 through 21. You know, it's been there the whole time. This verse has been in the Bible the whole time. Who knew? Who knew? Being asked by the Pharisees, and for those of you that don't know, most of you do, but not everybody does, the Pharisees were the religious. You know, Jesus came, and who did he hang out with? He hung out with sinners and tax collectors and all the bad people of the world. And then the religious people, they were the ones that were all upset with him. How can you do such a thing? And he told them, you all have whitewashed tombs. He, Jesus hated religion. It's the spirit. That's what we're here for. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that be, can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The way that's worded is worded that way on purpose. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So I looked that up. I'm like, okay, midst. I've heard that word. I've used that word. What does that word really mean? Thank you, dictionary. I couldn't believe it. Midst. The interior or central part or point, the middle. It was described as if you are in the middle of a giant forest, you are in the midst of that forest. Well, if the kingdom of God is in our midst, you see, we are not in the midst of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in the midst of us. You are royalty. You have been set free because the kingdom of God is at your core. Right? We are, I always thought I was in the midst of the kingdom of God. It was there and I'm here. 
That's not what it says. The kingdom of God is in here. Right? I want to believe better. That's believing better. That brings confidence. We need to believe better, and we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. The Bible tells us who we are. But in our humanness and our false humility, I can't be. I'm just not that good. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's not pride. That's confidence. That's not from the enemy. That's from Christ. Yes, you are. Yes, you are that good. Yes, you are that worthy. Yes, he does love you that much. And yes, you can accomplish anything when you partner with him. Can you imagine? This is my goal. This is what I want to do. I am, I'm just not going to give up. I am going to continue to pursue and pursue and pursue to get closer and closer to living out of the reality that he speaks of. It's one thing to believe it. Yes, I believe it. Am I operating from there? Am I operating from there? With being God's kingdom, being in my midst, Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We are the final destination for the creator of the universe. Where did he decide to set up shop? Inside you. Let's operate from there. That's challenging, isn't it? I'm not even quite sure how to do it, but I know that if I keep this forefront in my mind, if I remind myself over and over again, that's going to continue to move me forward, continue to move me forward to where I start to more and more operate out of the reality of the finished work of the cross. You know, and, and I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I got hit pretty hard with fear and doubt about this very moment right here, right now, being up here in front of all of you. I'm in the house, I'm in the bathroom, and no one else is in the house, and I'm thinking about this message, and I'm thinking... Man, Daniel's message was so good the other day. And then the way Sam Farinato, and I'm thinking, I, how am I going to follow that stuff? These guys knock it out of the park. They are so heartfelt. They are so real. And I'm thinking, who am I? Right? Fear and doubt hit me hard. And I started to the point where I even, I'm standing, I'm looking at myself in the mirror going, dude, what are you going to do? I said, okay, I'm not going to cancel, right? I'm not going to tell Elijah, nah, I'm bailing but maybe this will just be the last one, right? I thought, maybe just, I'm not. And then I thought, this is when I thought, what do you believe? I started looking at these scriptures. What do you believe? And so I'm in the bathroom pacing in front of the mirror all by myself going, no, no, no. You have the kingdom of God within you. You were born for this. God gave you this desire to preach the word of God. Why? He gave this to you. This isn't, you see, I get into my head, well, maybe I just want to do it so everybody thinks I'm great at this, right? That's how the enemy likes to get me. It's, oh, it's you thinking about you. But it's not. I have such a passion for this message because I believe it sets people free. It really, really does. When we're no longer dragging that stinking corpse around, reminding us and running all these old tapes through our heads of all the things we've done wrong and all of our failures and all of the times we misspoke and all the times we were mean to our kids and all the times we've done anything that we wish we hadn't done. 
that kills us. That is not the life that Jesus died for us to have. And so I just started lecturing myself. I said, you were born for this. You are so good at this. It's your gift. You need to operate in your gift. You have got this under control. People need to hear what you have to say. I walked out there going, yes, right? So Elijah, if you're watching, I would like to come do this again. Oh, we are not in the midst of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in your midst, in your core. It exists right here. Think of the power in this room right now. Think of the power of the kingdom of God in this room right now with each and every one of you carrying the Holy Spirit, carrying the kingdom of God. What happened if we started to operate out of that reality? What would happen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One starts to believe. Another starts to believe. We see it. We discuss it. We talk about it. We remind each other of who dwells in you. Changes everything. No, I'm not all calm and heartfelt like these guys. This is just the way I'm wired. And it's okay. That's what he told me. Yeah, you're kind of loud. You're kind of... It's okay. That's who I made you to be. So I made you to be. God made you to be who you are too. And a much better version than we most likely think in our heads. Who we see when we see us is pretty lame compared to who he sees. So let's move towards who he sees. As a group, we can remind each other of who we really are. As a group, we can lift one another up in those times when we're not feeling like we are who we were created to be. But you are all the time. We may not always act it, but that doesn't change the reality of who we are. So what are we going to choose to believe? Are we going to choose to believe what God says about us? Or are we going to choose to believe what our history says about us? Our old self and all that garbage. No, let's dump that stuff. And let's go with what he says, because what he says is so much better, so much better than what the world says about us, what we say about us, even what a lot of people say about us, right? Oh, Jesus. What do you guys think, right? Huh? The kingdom of God dwells in each and every one of us. All the time. And it only takes a small amount of faith to do great things. And we already possess it. We don't lack faith. That can't ever be an excuse we use that we lack faith. No, we don't. We may lack confidence. But we don't lack faith. It's been given to us. Everyone has a measure. We are a new creation made in the image of God. Not only do we carry his spirit, carry his kingdom, we were made in his image. How much does he love us? How much does he love us? He loves us so much that he made us in his image and then he came to dwell within us because that's how close he wants to be. The kingdom of God is at your very core. Let's pray about that. The kingdom of God is at our very core. Hmm. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to reveal your truths to us. I pray that today is a launching point for all of us to believe better. Not in our own strength, not in our own effort, just that we would believe what you say better. I really believe that if you're in this place today, it's not an accident. If God was tugging on your heart, now you know why. Because God wants you to know who you are. And just pray that that continues to grow and develop within us a confidence, a quiet, spirit-filled confidence in who we are, what we can accomplish, who we can touch in the world because of what he's done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross that changed the course of the world, changed every one of our lives. The moment that we said yes to you, everything transformed. We were transformed into a new creation, one that has never, ever been seen before, one that is not like any other creation. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. You are royalty. You do have destiny. And you're so important to God. I just pray that we operate out of that reality. We operate out of that reality. We love out of that reality. We work out of that reality. We preach out of that reality. We sing out of that reality. We live our lives out of the reality of what He has done. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, He did it all. And now we only need believe. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this house. Thank you for these people. Thank you most of all for what you did on that cross. You transformed us into creations that resemble you. And I just pray you continue to renew our minds and that we'll know in our knower it's you and that you love us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.